Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in to Dose of Leadership. Hey, before I introduce the guest, I want to talk about an amazing new opportunity. And so if you're listening in the month of February 2021, this is applicable. I'm reopening my doors to 50 new members of my Dose of Leadership University. I started the university one year ago, opening it for 30 founding members. And I got 30 founding members with the whole idea to create this interactive, impactful community of like-minded leaders who are searching for significance, who want to interact with each other, creating this community that creates a level of accountability that that pushes each other to grow into the kind of leaders that we were called to be. And the results have been amazing. It's been so much fun and impactful even for me to do life with these founding members. And I'm at a point now where I've got out of those 30 members, 15 of those members, what I call the hardcore 15, who have agreed to become mentors within the university. So it's going to allow me to expand this university even further. And so I'm opening up these doors, looking for people who are interested in finding encouragement, understanding that leadership is tough. You can't do it by yourself. You're going to need support. And by joining this group, you're going to find encouragement and support. You're going to insight from a diverse set of leaders who have all kinds of life experience and wisdom from entrepreneurs to middle-level managers to every aspect and political belief. It doesn't matter. We all come together to support each other, to push each other into the growth zone. And introducing this level of accountability because accountability leads to action and action leads to achievement. And that's what it's all about. And so that's what this university does. And we do that, access to me 24-7, access to my mentors 24-7 via email, text, phone. But we get together twice a month on Saturdays for an hour and a half via Zoom as a mastermind to bring our real-life leadership challenges to the group so that that diverse group of wisdom and knowledge and experience and life experiences can help solve our leadership challenges and problems. It exponentially impacts your life because now you've got all these masterminds helping you pushing you into the growth zone. And that's what it's all about. It's a leadership community unlike any other. We record every live session, so even if you can't make it on a Saturday, you can still go back and watch and listen. And I guarantee you that those sessions will become the favorite part of your month. It's unique access, unlimited access, again, to me and my mentors at all time. A form that we can, private form where we can communicate and still keep in touch in between our live sessions. And in addition to that, every month and a half, with my vast community, my vast network that I've created here in Dose of Leadership, interviewing, coming on 500 conversations with thought leaders, CEOs. Every now and then I bring a special guest, someone I've interviewed on the show, into one of our live sessions. So that gives you the opportunity to interact and learn from them directly. No other leadership community offers that. Well, you get that here at Dose of Leadership. And so what I want you to do is go to doseofleadership.com university. Watch the videos, watch the testimonial videos read everything on the landing page. And if it sounds like something you're interested in, fill out the enrollment form. It'll send me an email. We'll set up a time where me and one of my mentors can speak with you to see if this might be a good fit for you. This isn't for everybody. You can't just plop down a credit card and join. You have to go through an interview process. And I'm only opening up to 50 members. So they'll go fast. So go check it out. Doseofleadership.com slash university to learn more. All right. Thank you for that. And now my guest. What a fabulous conversation I had with Jane Warlow. She came on my show... Near the very beginning, one of my first guests, my first year, and she's one of my favorite thought leaders I love talking with. She is a global speaker, a best-selling author. She's a highly sought-after business executive and coach, and she's a founder of two companies, Sacred Changemakers. It's all about bringing together people who 
want to make a meaningful difference in the world, which I love, and equipping people with the knowledge and skills to make a greater impact in the world. And she's one of the most exclusive business coaches that I know where her clients are by invitation and referral only. And she's worked with CEOs, senior executives all around the world. And despite working with these millionaires and celebrities, her true passion really is inspiring us all to become change makers, to do the sacred work in life and in business. She was born and raised in England. She's worked for leading organizations and individuals in the United States, Europe, Asia, Australia, Latin America. And she now lives up in Columbus, Ohio because family brought her there. And she's just, you're just going to love this conversation. I just, I could talk to her for hours and hours. And it comes through in this conversation. So it's a, it's a little long, but you'll really get some impact and some great leadership and life nuggets out of this one. And I really think you'll appreciate it. You can check out her website, coachesbusinessschool.com and sacredchangemakers.com. And she's got a really great book out there, The 10-Day Coaches MBA. So go check her stuff out. Enjoy this episode. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Dose of Leadership. On with the show. Well, Jane Warlow, back on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Really, really excited to be here again. You were one Good of time. my early guests. I don't know if you remember that, but you were when the show was in its infancy, you came on. Yeah, I did. Well, I remember us talking about you starting a podcast before you even got started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Orlando, when we met, yeah. however long ago that was, ages ago. <laughs> so I think it's, you know, I think it's nearly a decade. It didn't seem possible. <laughs> decade. I was just a kid then. Now I'm, now, <laughs> now I'm all knowledgeable and mature. I have, I all, the, I have all the answers. Of course you do. I got and life I, I'm, completely I'm just a out. grandma. <laughs> <laughs> that's right you're a grandma now oh that's scary oh gosh that makes you feel old i feel like i should get my knitting needles out now. <laughs> well you were always you were a fun guest because you you were talking i remember that conversation because it was i would say that was at the beginning of the show we were talking here in the pre-recording about how both of our leadership journeys have kind of changed over the years mm. and have become more holistic and i remember I was just kind of, I think this show is, has done that for me. At least it gave me some alignment and clarity around that. And I remember having you on the show and having this really interesting, engaging conversation about that, about resonance, about yeah. spiritual, the spiritual side of leadership and, and why it's so important and connecting with it. So I, I attribute that conversation to pushing me along that path to where, <laughs> where leadership has become more holistic, right? I mean, it's changed quite a bit. How much is it in that decade that we've known each other? How much has your leadership journey changed, would you think, just in the decade? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I would say it's changed massively. And probably in the last 12 months, it's, it's accelerated. What accelerated so much there? I mean, what was the big change? Well, I think in some ways we, um, you know, with the onset of the pandemic in 2020, I think that um, it almost pierced the illusion of business, I feel. Mm. And I and in many ways, I think there were a number of trends that were already there, but a lot of people were just getting on with business as usual. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and change is one of those things that, you know, in, for us humans, we don't often choose change of our own accord. And so if you've been doing, the thing about leadership is it's very different at different stages of career. And, you know, if you've done something at some point in your career that has worked for you, it's really hard to let that go and then start to bring in something innovative or something new or something more holistic, say. And so, you know, there's a lot of resistance still to change. 
um, you know, particularly for a lot of people that are at the senior level of organizations and have a lot of responsibility. Now, when COVID came along, there was no denying we were in a VUCA environment. Mm -hmm. You know, it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex, it's ambiguous. Um, and the, and everybody, this uncertainty rose to the top. And, there, you know, some leaders were really struggling with how to remain confident and composed and mm -hmm. do their work uh, when they were faced with, you know, unprecedented levels of uncertainty and nobody knew what the future held so how do you continue to do your work when it looks like the market and the economy around you is collapsing everything that we took for granted like you know maybe we were growing at the time when it started and we just assumed that growth curve would continue well everything changed mm -hmm. and so suddenly everybody was confronted with issues that you know some leaders had been dealing with for many years were aware of and that just accelerated the changes that needed to happen so i think the last 12 months have been pivotal and i think this is going to continue throughout these 20s decade i well, i agree and i think that and on some levels i wasn't i don't know if shocked is the right word i wasn't as surprised as and I know it's because of this study and this application of leadership, because I've always, I've said for a long time and I've felt that fear and uncertainty never goes away. I think even when I, I remember the 17 years I was in the corporate arena from 2001 to 2018, roughly, that um, it always bothered me when I heard people, when an inevitable unforeseen thing happened, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and people would kind of run around with their head cut off and frantic and we got to rework the plan if we, and then the other conversations when you're doing the after action report or like what happened and let's, let's discover what happened which are all good and necessary but they were like they were almost like god if we just would have had a little more detail in the plan or if i just would have had right. one more day or if i would and i was like i don't know guys i mean i i'm all for the planning i'm all for this but it's almost like instead of having multiple different playbooks or for every situation it's like for me, leadership is about having that one kind of all-encompassing playbook on how to be a composed force in chaotic situations. Mm. And then that's how you can deal with like a COVID-19. Not that it's not right. in the fear and uncertainty. For me, it just never goes away. I mean, I th I'm always expecting. I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. I'm always expecting. the other. I'm not surprised when the other shoe drops, I guess. Does that make sense? Right. It does. It really does. And as you, I mean, you're talking there about planning. And if I, if I look back a little further over my career, so I, I first became self-employed in 96, but I was just doing leadership work as a consultant mm -hmm. before then. So if I think back to the early 90s, we were teaching strategic plans that were right. 10 years in the future. And then it started to come down to five-year plans. Then it came to three-year plans. And then it became like a one-year plan. And now I think people are operating on a 90-day right. <laughs> notion <laughs> and trying to juggle the long-term and the short-term at the same time. Because this – go ahead. Well, I was going to say I love what you say about, you know, and I can't remember it, so I'm not going to paraphrase it. What did you say, Richard? Tell me again. The composure with to be the composed force in a chaotic situation. That's, that's thank you. That, that's kind of I, the theme of of this of what my show is kind of turned. And, and certainly, that's a foundation of my leadership beliefs of what I teach. Yeah. Is how yeah. can we be that composed force in a chaotic situation? 
Yeah. And see what you're talking to there is, is uh, kind of that leadership is internal. It's about character. Yes. It's about resilience. It's yes. about who you are in the world, not just what you do. It's actually a state of presence and a state of being. Yes. And, you know, if so one of the things that when I'm working with the leaders, I, I often say is that, you know, if when we're doing this work together, n nothing within you changes, then nothing outside of you will change either. Because unless you, the change begins within, it's not sustainable. So it's not just about holding people accountable yeah. for what they do or don't do. It's actually who do you need to become Absolutely. to achieve what you and your organization, if you're employed, needs from you. And in these times now, I think COVID has, has even stretched that further to what does the world need? Absolutely. And what you just said there, I think that that's what I meant about that's the playbook right yeah. there. That play that's that's the overarching playbook that's going to help you in every situation, right? And I'm I'm with you. I used to think we were both kind of talking about how our leadership journeys have changed. You know, in yeah. the mid-90s in that time when you're teaching strategic plans that go on 10 years, <laughs> which when you yeah. think about that, doesn't that introduce a crazy amount of stress? Because yeah. then everybody looks around when things don't come to fruition. Everybody's looking around like, what yeah. did we do wrong? And I'm like, you didn't do anything yeah. wrong. It's just the life. It's just the world, right? You're going to, yeah. you're going to. But so that's the, that's the playbook that I was talking about is like, how do you, and I used to think in the nineties that it was leadership was all external about strategic plans and external motivation and engagement and, and getting right. people motivated. So I had to be this. I don't know, external force trying to motivate you, you know, grab my <laughs> wiffle ball bat and start hitting you over the head to get you motivated. Right. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. It is. It's so internal. It's like, it's almost a hundred percent internal. I used to say 80% and I think it's about 99.95% internal. And when you get that right, that right, then things start to seem to fall into place or it becomes a little more navigable anyway. Yes. Yeah. And I'm totally with you because I remember you know, I used to go into organizations in the early days as a consultant and they and they'd they basically say to me, you know, what do we do? Is it carrot or stick? Right? Carrot or stick. And they thought it was as simple as that. And today leadership is much more like we were talking about, Richard, much more about life. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you don't have a designation of leader in your title. Mm -hmm. I think today we're all leaders because be. even if you even if you're just a mom at home bringing up your kids you're still like leading the life the home the children and parenting is such an important role oh so God, yeah. leadership runs through everything isn't it funny have you ever asked a question of a group like who here looks at themselves as a leader oh yeah and then like <laughs> it's i always ask that i love asking that question and, and i maybe get if a room of 100 people maybe 10 people will raise their hands, you know? And then I asked that question, like you said, I was like, okay, that's fair. I said, I said, who here is a, a brother or a sister? Who here is an aunt or uncle? Who here is a mom or a dad, right? Who here is a cook? Right. And I'm like, can you name at least one person today who, at least one, that's looking to you at this moment for influence and guidance? And raise your hand if you can think. A hundred people raised their hand. I said, that's the importance of leadership. So you have to you have to study this stuff because somebody's looking to you for influence and guidance, whether you like it or not. And I guarantee it's probably more than one. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's really important. And I think it's still something that, you know, we don't use it in the the vernacular. You know, we don't use it enough. We're not taught it in no. schools. And depending on what you decide to study at university, it's not taught there either, really, no, in the general not. scheme of things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, really for us, it's it's almost like you find your way to this this word. And this word is heavily loaded with very different kind of, there's lots of different doorways into leadership, mm-hmm. I think. But you're right. I once was speaking in DC and I had a an audience of 3,000 people in front of me, give or take. And I asked the same question, who here feels that they're, so at the time I was really working around global leadership. Yeah. I think there was one person in the room put their hand up. I'm not joking. Wow. And then I said, well, if we take global off, then how many of you are leaders? And then there was not many at all. Like I would say 20, if that, 3, put their hands up. People. Yeah. And then, and, and then we started to dig into why, because people think global leaders are politicians, yeah. right? It's like the president or Nelson Mandela <laughs> or yeah, something, right. right? So global leaders, even the people today that are, are leading gl- large global corporations, there's a significant amount of them that don't think of themselves as global leaderships. But with technology we've got today, competition is global. Yeah. And so it's like, how do we reclaim some of these words and redefine them for ourselves? Yeah, it's, it's just the shifting of mindset, you're right, because for whatever reason, stereotypically, cult- pop culture-wise, we are in- it's ingrained in us to look, you know, well, I've got to have the position, I've got to have the title. You know, look, the website says leadership team, and there's nine people, so I'm not a leader in this organization. <laughs> and I'm like, well, really, the engine of the organization is the middle and below, and everybody, in my opinion, has an obligation to leadership at varying degrees of accountability, but neat leadership yeah. nonetheless. And it's just, it's the application you know, of adding value in every transaction. That's really what it boils down to. It's like, how do I add value in this transaction? And if your mindset is that, then you're acting as a leader, in my opinion. And it takes yeah. it takes leadership to do that. <laughs> but isn't it interesting what we're talking about here? Because for me, what we're talking about is at an identity level, Yeah. how do people embrace their own role in leadership? And I think that there are a number of us that don't hold the the label, if you like, leader at all. Most of us don't. No. And it's one of those words that when you start to consider yourself as a leader, you're getting intentional about the influence and the guidance Mm -hmm. that you can help other people with. And you kind of get more aware of your role in that way. So I think just the very idea of considering yourself and trying on the label can actually shift an awful lot of things. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you're right. One other thing I find that helps too is if you look at the situation no matter that you're in, whether you are a parent or if you're in an organization, that it is a life and death endeavor. And I don't think a lot of times people look at it that way. Even parenting sometimes we forget that this is this is a life and death proposition, right? Everything that I do has an intention. And when you look at it that way, you know, how many times have you, have your kids ever come up to you and said, yeah, you remember when we did this and I just got this this vivid memory of we're, you were helping yeah. me bake cookies and I was sitting on there and you were telling me about this and I have no recollection of that story. Oh, totally. <laughs> but for them, it was impactful for whatever reason. Yes. It was impactful. Yeah. And to me, that 
reminds me of the, <laughs> the power of how much influence that we have. And so mm-hmm. if you just by not even trying. And so if you got <laughs> intentional about it, then then that's when things can really start to to be impactful. Right. And so yeah. looking at it as a life and death and realizing how much influence we have. So. Tell me about the life and death, because I'm not sure I'm following you. Well, it, particularly for an organization, just that lives are at stake oh. here, I guess. You know, and, oh, okay. I, and I don't mean to put it in such maybe maybe that con- that that conjures up an image that's a little too stark that I'm trying to convey. But in an organization, for example, when and I love talking with the middle and below, right? Because I mm-hmm. think that's what and and to me, the middle and below in an organization do, they don't realize to kind of piggyback on what we've been talking about, how much influence they have in the organization on the brand. And because it's easy to sit there and kind of complain at the water cooler. Well, things would be best better if our dysfunctional leader was a little more functional. Right. (laughs) And I can't tell you how many times, particularly in the Marine Corps, I saw this where you had this and, and we were blessed because you always had this, this constant rotation every two or three years, you had somebody fresh or somebody new. Right. And so sometimes you'd have someone that was really out there. Sometimes you'd have someone who was really great. Regardless of the dysfunction or if they were the picture-perfect leader, for the most part, the mission always got done. Now, it was better when you had the guy that got it as opposed to the person who didn't. But my point was is that you you have a lot of say and a lot of influence and a lot of power here that you can wield if you have the courage to, it takes a tremendous amount of courage to, to be in that spot though, but that's the point, right? That kind of goes yeah. to our, what we're talking about here, why leadership is so So to me, lives are at stake. What I mean by that is that the life of this business isn't just dependent upon, you know, the handful of men and women in the ivory tower. It really right. is about the people on the front lines, particularly those that are in customer facing roles that are impacting the customer, dealing with the customer yeah. on a day-to-day basis. And if we don't get the leadership right, then our lives are at stake. We got 300 people in this this business. Well, to me, that just says there's that's you know 600 people lives are at stake because everybody's got at least one person that is, you know what I mean. So I, I know it, exactly when, what you mean. So when I talk to people at work, I said, look, we got lives at stake here. This isn't necessarily about being a family and this and that. This is about being a professional team to keep this organization alive because every single one of you has got somebody that's dependent upon this paycheck yeah. and that this is successful. So that's what I mean about life and death. Sorry, I didn't mean to take up all the microphone. No, I, I want to speak to that though, because I love it. I absolutely love it. And I want to speak to the elephant in the room, which is when we say the word lead, leader, and when somebody decides that that's a label they're going to hold at an identity level, it comes with it, this huge bag of responsibility. Right. And we have a bias against responsibility just because of the way we're educated and everything. You know, we kind of had this bias like, why would I want all of that responsibility? And it frightens people. There's a lot of fear around that. Absolutely. Which is, I think, is one of the reasons why people don't like that label. They don't, unless they're being paid really well to have that label in an organization, it's not necessarily the first thing they think of. Because because we have organizational cultures still that don't allow for any level of failure. That's true. The zero There's consequences. That's right. The zero defects mentality. Yeah. Breeds that stagnation. Like, well, why would I want that responsibility? Yeah. The failure. The the 
the, the consequence of the failure is too great. I can't afford it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So I'll just keep my head down. I'll just do my job. Mm -hmm. I'll collect my paycheck, especially at the below level of the organization, get my paycheck and just go, home. I'm just doing my work so that I can support my family. That's it. And I, and there are a lot of people that feel that way. And when you look at the, let's say, the ecosystem of leadership, the culture within the organization, like I can walk into a reception area of a of a of an organization, or I would say before COVID, I could, I could walk yeah. in and just by like sitting in reception yeah, right. and waiting for my client, I'd get a get sense, sense of what mm -hmm. level of leadership they have within the organization or not. That's just true. by watching the people interact informally around yep. me. That just get a sense. That resonance that comes off of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's easy to pick up if you're attuned to it, if you look for it, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So that begs the question then is like, how do you unpack that? How do you get, I'm with you. You're right. You get the sense, why would I want that responsibility? And you start using terms like, well, it's your obligation. That's a heavy term. Obligation. <laughs> yes. Good Lord. I just, you know, put a hundred pound pack on my back. I don't want any more <laughs> right. obligations. I just want to come in here, have fun, get my paycheck and go home. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, how, so how do you, you know, how do you get people to see that, that look, you have, you have a lot, I guess to me, and I think you and I, the challenge is we understand, or at least we embrace the, the joyful difficulty of the messiness, mm. right? Because mm. yeah. we see the power in, or the return on investment of, of kind of getting messy in it. Right. But a lot right. of people are afraid. I mean, and maybe it's because of that, like you said. Yeah. So now that just now I'm just sitting there, my mind spinning. Like, well, how do you how do you get people to see right. that it's okay? Well, I think right. Go yeah. Ahead. So let me speak to that because I think I think Simon Sinek did the Leadership mm -hmm. World a whole service For when sure. he started to talk about why. It's not about the what; it's about why. Mm -hmm. And I think in for me, this is really coming into my work on resonance. Like every individual within an organization needs to have a why and an aligned why with the entire company goals and direction. And they need to understand their role. What part are they playing? What value are they adding? Because that's the way as individuals, as humans, we're all wired for meaning. Yep. We want to contribute part of something bigger than us. Absolutely. And that's the potential of every single organization that we have across the world is this, they're like meaning making machines. Like if you have a great visionary in the senior team that can like kind of share a vision with the entire organization about why this company exists, not just for profit, but for purpose too. And we can start to get a sense of why I would want to work for this organization and how my role is going to help them get there. Now we're on to something. Absolutely. I think it's amazing to me how often we organize those hierarchical needs. What is it? Maslow's hierarchical needs or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Wanting to be part of something <laughs> bigger than ourselves, you know? Right. Yeah, the biggest right. disagreement I had one time with the CEO was it got to that exact root. You know, it's like, well, we can't pay these people this. And he said, we're always going to attract this kind of lower level type of individual because we can't pay him X amount. And I'm like, well, then pay him more. Why well, can't? I said, well, stop looking at them that way. I said, because human beings can be motivated more than just by a dollar figure. Oh, I yes. said, if you can get them to your point, if you can get them 
to believe that you know we're here and to be part of something bigger than ourselves. I don't care if we're selling widgets or managing a hotel and make them feel right. like they're part of something unique. And that's and I told him I said that's on you. I said you need to communicate yeah. that. And he got mad at me. <laughs> it's true though this intrinsic motivation is just it's 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 a bias within all of us and um i've so we've done some to prove this point to a, to a number of clients over the years and i remember doing this in in england so i'm just gonna have to switch the candy bar so that you'll know what i'm talking about in england we have mars bars mm -hmm. and in america they're called milky ways they're the same thing okay um, but they're Different. So, what a team! What team members will do to win a Milky Way or a Mars bar is phenomenal. <laughs> Especially if you have a leaderboard up on the wall. Wow. If you start gamifying a little bit of yeah. the strategy, then people will go to ridiculous lengths, even just to get a gold star yeah. on something. I mean, think about school. We're, we're programmed at a very early age for this. So with technology coming in the way it is right now, you know, we have got some organizations now that are looking to things like gamification to motivate and influence and help everybody get aligned with what they're doing, but also to enable every individual to start to bring out their potential. Yeah. Because there's nothing better than an organization that's filling its potential. Now, it can't do that without every individual also fulfilling their poten individual potential within the team and the team potential within the department, the department potential. And then, of course, that makes the, the organization. And I'd even go so far today as saying there's almost a dotted line today around organizations where, you know, leaders and senior teams, they become diplomats and ambassadors for what the world really needs. Yeah. And so there's a whole different shift in alignment that's happening now to shift leadership away from the extractive practices and more, more, more that has got us to where we are today with the problems to really start to restore the planet, the climate, the employees into their wholeness and regenerate, be generative in our leadership, not extractive. Uh, well said. I can't agree with you any, any more than that. I think you're absolutely right. Did you? I was thinking about, um, you the other day, a new year coming on the show, and I had uh, Patrick Lynchoni on my show. Oh, and, did you? Yeah. And he was a, a guy I've been ever since I started to launch the show. He was one of the guys I wanted to get on, and I finally got him on. He, he's got a new book out there, and I'm glad I got him on when I did because he's got yeah. a new book out there called The Motive. I don't know if you've heard it. I've not it. seen that one. No, no. I know he, he's others. <laughs> yeah, The Motive is great. You would love it, it would resonate with you. And I was thinking right. about you when I was reading it because what you were talking about, it gets to that point. It's it's probably one of his best books that he ever wrote. And right. because it gets to the point the, the motive it, and he always writes it in a parable or a fable type situation. Yeah. But the, the point of the story is when we're talking about leadership is like, why do people get into leadership? And it's like a question. And I wish if I would have been armed with this one, you know, in yeah. my coaching, if I, cause I can think, I can think <laughs> of like a handful of clients that I've had that I was just banging my head. like, how do I get through to this guy? And right. if I would have read this book, it would have came clear. The point of it is a lot of times we need to ask the motive of like, why are we even getting into leadership? Mm -hmm. And that question never gets asked. And right. what he says, or what his point is, is that there's this society, this culture, and this is piggybacking on what you're saying, is that there's this kind of epidemic, or there has been, particularly over the last 20, 30 years, of there's two types of leadership. There's reward-based leadership, and there's responsibility-based leadership. And we need to get back to 
we get into leadership for the responsibility-based leadership. Too many of us get into leadership thinking it's a reward. Well, I've paid my dues. I've busted my butt. I've did all this hard work. I finally earned the corner office, the parking space, and the and the financial rewards that come with leadership. And now I'm I'm reaping the benefits. And that's the wrong way to look at leadership. And we have too many reward-based leadership leaders. Yeah. And what you and I are talking about and, what, and have been passionate about is like, how do we get the organization to be these responsibility-based leaders, to your point, to yeah. be the ambassadors, as you said, going through the organization right? and realizing right. that this isn't about you. This is about getting everybody to think and act like leaders at varying degrees. And that's the, to me, that's the responsibilities of the senior leaders is to be the, 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 the teachers and the mentors. That's the, I mean, that's, is, that is the level five leadership of transformational leadership, leaders training leaders, right? And that's what we're talking yeah. about here. How do you get leaders to train other leaders? Yeah. And it's yeah. by resonance and opening up this is like exposing this. Yes, it totally is. God, you can't it get really there without is. it. You can't get there without it. You can't. You can't at all. And so I, I love, I'm definitely going to read that book because. Oh, you would love it. You're going to love me, it. For me, you know, when you said, why do people get into leadership? My head went to power right? Mm -hmm. If I think back in my career, mm -hmm. the people that were attracted to particularly the senior levels of leadership were ego-based and wanting power and over, yeah. power over, yep. let's say. Even that's shifting now because now it's power with, it's not power over. Right. But today, I think I do meet leaders that come in not for power, but for impact. Yeah. And that's very different. That's a great now. word. And, and, and it's also... I think it aligns with what you're saying, Patrick, saying in his new book, this idea of responsibility is, is embedded in impact because it's like, what impact am I having and where and with whom and how? Because that leads you to the why of the organization Absolutely. as well. But, you know, what's interesting is some of these dilemmas that leaders face have been around a long time because if mm -hmm. I think back to the 90s, and I worked in England um, for a little while. I was working for a university uh, in, in England on their MBA. I was a part lecturer, but I also set up a consultancy for this university. And what was interesting really was that even back then, we had to have a government initiative called Investors in People <laughs> to try and show that an organization is not processes and systems and stuff and product or whatever. It is actually a collection of humans <laughs> that make it happen. Yeah. So don't just invest in the stuff or the technology or the things. What are you doing with the people? Because without mm -hmm. the people, you don't have an organization. So, But yeah. we needed the government behind us to actually, it became a compliance issue in the UK that, because there was no other way for people to kind of want the change in the economy that we had back then. Well, is that the so. answer then? Is I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big <laughs> fan of another agency. Because I think that's why politics no. are so screwed up is because, you know, you can't – I don't think you can legislate the human connection. You know what I mean? No, I you mean, can't. You really can't. Because like you say, Richard, the heart is so very important in this. Mm -hmm. But I do think that COVID – has been a great catalyst. <laughs> I think you're right. I really do. I think you're, and I think you're seeing, it certainly has exposed, I think if I can, I'm always looking for the positive. I think it's certainly mm. exposed some of the dysfunction of what we've talked, of what, of what doesn't work. 
Yeah. And particularly in the political side, I think that's where you see, I think that's why you, I think that feeds into, there's a whole bunch of stuff that feeds into the polarization, but I think this kind of, what drives me crazy, particularly about politicians, that people look towards a politician to solve. And the reality is, I mean, these politicians aren't any more brilliant or smarter than, than the, you know what I mean? It's like, we don't the average do a, bear. Yeah. the average bear. <laughs> And we take for what they say is just as face value. And I'm like, come on, guys, you just I mean, you're smarter than yeah. this, you know. And, and so I don't know if that exposure, I guess where I was going with this, if that exposure is enough as a catalyst to to drive some change. But I do think at least some embers have been stoked because I know just in conversations that I've had in my circle uh, and even on the show and then outside of this, there are a lot of people going like, I, I'm tired of relying on this. We need to start doing something here. And that's the only way it starts is like, you know, yeah, maybe I won't globally change the world, but I can certainly impact mine. And that's why you and I yeah. do what we do, right? We, this is why we got into leadership, I think, and I think you did too, is because I know that if i changing my piece of it and enough people start doing that, that's when you get the change, you know, and stop relying on some kind of leg- some sort of legislation or something or I don't know. That's how I no, see I it. think you're right, and I think now more than ever, you know, there's 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 a real need for people to embrace personal leadership Absolutely. because we are facing unprecedented challenges right now worldwide as a human race. We have so much inequality that we've created mm-hmm. for ourselves, and you know, and there's there's so many elements of modern life that are kind of coming to the fore now because with technology every single one of us has a voice and a platform yep so these things are now coming to the fore in a way they can't be pushed away like they were Mm -hmm. in the old days where distribution channels of communication were thoroughly controlled by organizations and the government now we have a platform where everybody is empowered to speak their truth and so we're in this different space now And so what are we going to do from here? Because now we know things like through COVID that we didn't know before. So now what do we do? Because we, I suppose we could ignore it. I hope we won't. I hope we'll start to move forward and really realize that, you see, this is the growing realization I'm getting now, Richard, about leadership. And this is going to sound weird, I'm sure, to a few listeners, but I feel that leadership today has a sacred calling with it. And what I mean by that is we have to go away from this kind of selfish world of it's all about I, me, and the individual and mine to actually not ignore that because that's going to stay important. Of course it is for all of us. But how do we also widen our perspective to bring what the we in, like the collective in, a more holistic approach to even what we're doing and what influence that has, not just on our life today, but on the generations to come. Yeah, I agree with you. And and I don't think it sounds weird at all. I think it, I think it is, (laughs) it is a sacred calling. And again, it's different than I think that most people see it. And I do think a lot of this bubbling up of what you're seeing is is to your point is because of it's the, it's the good and the bad. I mean, everybody's got the platform, everybody's got the voice, but there really is no, oh, yeah. and I think there's really, there is <laughs> nowhere to hide. And you can't go back to where you only had, I mean, if you wanted to get hurt, like if, if Jane 
or wanted to get heard in 1965, what were yeah. your what were your options? Well, I'd have to have really deep pockets for a start because it's mm -hmm. advertising and marketing and promotion right. and direct mailing and all that. <laughs> and get on one of the three major networks, right? Which yeah. would almost yeah, be get... impossible. So yeah. you, you could go stand on a street corner and, and maybe stand <laughs> in a box and hand out flyers, but what impact are you making? And you're right. And so yeah. I think that's one of the benefits now. I mean, even on this and on this podcast, I mean, how many people are going to hear this, you know, in the tens yeah. of thousands, if not more? That's unprecedented, yeah. right? And who are we? Who are you and I, right? Right, right. We're just two yeah. executive average bears, average bears, <laughs> executive coaches trying, trying to to impact our own personal side of the world. But that that that's a tremendous that's that's a blessing, right? But and yeah. it makes it harder for the centralization aspects to hide away from the truth. And so I think that's why we're seeing some of the messiness that we see, like the uprisings. The, I mean, you know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. this is so new. It is. You know, even if you look at like what happened with Facebook you know, yeah. taking like, OK, well, and Twitter will pull the president off. I'm like, well, we've never it's, it, it highlights the newness of it. Well, they're a private company. Yeah, but they, they impact millions. So are they like a utility company or are they like a private or are they like a publisher? Yeah. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Those are I yeah. don't have answers to those questions, but it, they're interesting. It just shows you the newness of it. And the reason why I bring that up is is because to your point. The op the, here's the opportunity for people who look at leadership as a sacred calling. This is the chance to start making an impact. And if you can go at it with the mindset of not the reward base, but, you know, the responsibility base that I'm sacrificing so that others may prosper, that's what's needed. That's why I thought that that, what was that gal? I think you liked on that post, but in that inauguration, that, that young woman... Oh yes, that Amanda. Yes, the poet. Yeah, I, I thought her. Which was amazing. I thought her speech sp speaks directly to what we're talking about. Right? Yeah, there was really nothing does. political about that poem, no. and it no. spoke to the calling of leadership and the, um, for me, I mean, the opportunity and the obligation that we're kind of presented ourselves with. And so, if you're yeah. going to take the call, if you're going to be, and that's the great thing about what we're talking about here, you don't have to. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have no. a certification. You don't have no. to have – all you got to have is the, the willingness to opt in and say yes. That's the beauty of it, right? And that's what yeah. – I think that's what you and I see, and that's what frustrates – I wish more people would opt in and say yes is all I'm yeah. getting at. But you see, you're doing something there that scares a lot of people, you know, because on the video you're actually putting your hand up. You're mm -hmm. raising your hand. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you the amount of people I've met that say, I don't want to raise my head above the parapet because that's how I'm going to get shot. <laughs> right? The first yeah. people over the hills yeah. always get shot. Right? right? Yeah. Now, you know more about that than I do. But what that means is these are stories, these are narratives that run through our culture yeah. that prevent the empowerment of individuals as citizens of a country that can make a difference. And I think that's where the tide's turning. We're now realizing we we can, but it's definitely a we. And the we can also includes the I can. Yeah. Well, and the I can piece is, hey, just yeah. focus on getting all of this right internally and realize that it's a lifelong journey and that you do it with grace and with forgiveness and not with, you know what I mean, that you're pursuing you're not pursuing perfection. You're pursuing excellence on getting this right, you know? And it's, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I guess I'm okay with raising my hand now because I've, 
the work I've done is, and I've gone from that point of where I don't want to be the guy, the first guy over the parapet because it's too yeah. risky to now I'm like, let's just try anything. I don't care. I don't, you know, but I, I have to remind myself there's a lot of people that don't want to take that first step or the first leap. And right. for me, I feel like I'm running out of time. And to me, it's like the fear part. I'm not, I'm not afraid of trying anything. I'm not afraid of falling or looking like a fool. I don't, I'm way past that, but I forget yeah. that there's a lot of people who's, who aren't there yet. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be that way because that those are just belief patterns. They They're are. just narratives. It doesn't mean it's true just because it's something we all talk about all the time. And I think that's what's happening a lot now. We're starting to almost break down the definitions we have of business and leadership. It's almost like we've built some castles in the air and we're starting <laughs> to take them down brick by brick. Yeah. And now we're getting to reimagine what this world of ours is that we all can live within and live in resonance together, no matter who we are or I where agree. we were born, create more resonance around the world. Because if there's no resonance, there's no connection. And so we need connect. It's all about relationships. I agree. And even to <laughs> deny that the fact that that human connect, it's, like, it's, it's it even seems silly to me that like we're wired for that human connection anyway. It's like, yeah. you can't, you know, we all know when somebody's putting on airs or trying to be something oh, that they're not. You yeah. can see, I mean, you're wi it's wired in you. You, you yeah. can already spot it. Like if you tried to be something that you weren't, I'd feel uncomfortable. Even if I didn't know you, if I only knew you for 30 seconds <laughs> and you were trying to, you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. That, in, that resonance stuff would, I would yeah. know. So why, why? Let's just stop trying to be something that we're not. And let's just, yeah. let's just get on with it and make the, place, this... make the place better than we found it. Yeah, absolutely. But there's something I want to ask you, uh, Richard, because so I've got this growing inquiry at the moment around leadership. And it, this is a bit weird. So stick with me because I'd love to know your view on this. Sure. So so in organizational life as leaders, we often think of our things or other teams or whatever. And we think we can't. Well, I particularly work in that that interrelatedness space. Right. With mm -hmm. people. But I have a growing sense there's another, I'm going to call it an energy for want of a better word, that can come in and inform a conversation. So it's not just so like you and I are talking now. So there's, there's me and there's you, Richard, but there's something else. It's almost like an intelligence, an intelligent energy. Jung would call it, Carl Jung would have called it the collective unconscious, right? Everything that humanity knows and has ever known is kind of a stream of information that we can only intuit, mm -hmm. right? It does. It's not a scientific thing, although science in the quantum theory is starting to catch up. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I feel, and you said this adjective earlier, for leaders, it's about openness, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's true. And I think that's actually true for humans just to live a, a nice, fulfilling life. You need to be open. But I'm increasingly interested in... Now, if we talk about neuroscience, it's the blend between the left brain and the right brain coming into alignment. But for me, it's also about inviting in emergence. And I know when you said we do the podcast, it's an emergent conversation. It's like, what wants expression through me at this time? What wants to be heard in this conversation? Mm -hmm. What's my truth and your truth? And therefore, together, we create like a meta mind that... I have stuff, you have stuff, but when we come together in true dialogue, we both learn things and get insights that just weren't there before and wouldn't be if we stayed 
on our own side of the fence, if you like. So this, for me, brings up so much. Ex I mean, I get excited about this because I think in an organization, when you start to open to what wants expression through the organization or the team and the individuals, all kinds of magic starts to happen <laughs> yeah i i like what you're saying i agree with you i think i think you know in, even for me when you tap into the to me what you're, what you're saying kind of taps into the emotional quotient piece of intelligence right. right and i do think that there's i think as a leader if you can do what you said and for me like if you and i are in the in the same room and we're, we're hashing something out and if i can somehow remove myself and to the best of my ability Okay, try to understand where you're, what, how are you seeing things? Mm. And it sounds easy to, to do and like, oh, we'll do that. But I mean, it's, it is tapping into that energy, I think, that is there. Because I do think a lot of the things that we're, we're talking about, like the leadership principles, if you want to call them that, I mean, the, or the things, those are everything that we're talking about here, or the, even the right thing to do, or the thing, they are principles that just have existed since they just exist. They don't, they weren't created. They weren't invented. So I do think it is in that energy, whatever you want to call it, that I, I believe that's a real thing. You know what I mean? And I think when you become, if you have a high EQ, I think that's an individual that can tap into that, right? Yeah, because, I agree. Because what you're doing when you're tapping into that energy is you're you're getting rid of the ego. And what is the ego? You know, now we're talking, you know, it's kind of like, uh, why is his name escaping me? He talks, I'll, I'll look this up in a second, but he, he, um, he talks about that, that what you're doing is because the ego, the ego is just kind of your shell, if you will, to kind of help me get through, you know what I mean? The survival of the day. And if I can yes. stop, if I can somehow shut that up, yep. that gets to the truth, or at least it gets to even just internally. If you're thinking about this, it's like, like if I can get if I can get past the ego, then I can at least saw I can see the the fertile plane in my mind, right. and the fertile plane in the mind doesn't know what's true or not because the ego, it'll believe right. what it tells you. So I if I whatever I plant there, this is the analogy that he gave. If I plant you know thistle, or I can plant you know wheat. Right. Or something productive, right? The point is the ego kind of blocks that further, right? So if I can get through that. Does that make sense? I know I'm kind of, I didn't it mean does. to get down to the spiritual sense. And Eckhart Tolle, that's who no. I'm talking Eckhart Tolle. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's right because the ego does keep us kind of protected and keeps our lives. I mean, the downside of that is it keeps your life small, but it yeah. does keep you safe and secure and protected. But once you move, and this is where the heart is so important, once you move to start to kind of cr allow the 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 allow the attention to move to your heart, then you pull ideas and things through your heart, and you start to care and get your emotional intelligence involved. Now we're starting to read the invisible. Now we're going beyond ego to something else because we're coming up through the heart energy and the emotional yeah. intelligence. You see, yeah. And then when you get even higher, so I'll even talk about the throat chakra for a minute, mm -hmm. this is where you speak your truth. You get authentic, you get vulnerable, you get open because we all know we, we suffer to some degree internally when we don't speak the truth. Right. Yeah. So it's how do we, and I, I'm fully convinced of this now for, as humans, our, our essence, if you like, is to really become fully expressed in this lifetime. 
We've to find we've not got to find a purpose, we've to create it for ourselves. And what better creation than through a leadership, an awareness of how you can lead? Because if you can lead, then like you were saying before we started recording, I think a true definition of leader is not someone who is like the boss, but it's someone who inspires others to their leadership. Yeah, well said. So it's generative in that way. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you have to work in an organizational construct to make that happen. That is possible for every single one of us with our lives when we become aware of how we influence others. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I was thinking about this when we first talked. Do you still talk about, you have such an amazing story about how you came back from that illness, which just sounds almost absolutely impossible. I, I almost <laughs> kind of forgot about that. But do you, how often do you remind people about that? That's, I mean, that, how much you of know? that is when you, you talk about your story? Because I, I haven't heard you talk about it for a long time, and I don't mean to bring it up. Um, yeah. it, but, but it's such a crazy and impactful story. Well, it kind of is. And I mean, I suppose it speaks to um, my relationship with things like energy. So mm -hmm. um, prior to 2001, I had a, a leadership development career. I was a leadership consultant. I was using my master's degree, my degree, all the things I'd learned at business school. And it was very predictable, really, what I was doing. I was spouting the thought leaders and, you know, guiding people through different models and frameworks that had come from research and different things. Very predictable. Mm -hmm. Then in 2001, I gave birth to Jacob and had a massive medical injury that went undiagnosed for 11 months. And then, um, I mean, to cut a long story short, not only that, I had m multiple surgeries, nothing worked, and was finally given a terminal diagnosis. Um, and it's uh, my, my injuries, kidneys, bladder, and spinal cord. And I still have it to this day, but you wouldn't know. And I honestly believe that if I'd listened to the doctors, I wouldn't be You'd here be dead. today. You had a death sentence. I mean, I did. Yeah. I had completely had a death sentence. So I fell to pieces. I don't want people that are listening to this to think it's super easy to heal. It isn't. Um, but what happened was my personal like passions, if you like, for I was already on a spiritual path, not particularly a religious path, but a spiritual path. Mm -hmm. I've always been excited by the invisible in our worlds or the edges of what we believe is possible as mm -hmm. humans. And so I was an energy healer. I was a spiritual healer. I'd done a lot of energy work and energy medicine and things. And um, what I did was I brought that world into business and leadership. And what I did was I used that to heal first. And then coming back to my role after I'd healed to an extent where I could like try and test out whether my body was working well enough for me to come back to work. Um, I found myself in a head office in London uh, with an old client who didn't know I'd been ill and walking across the open plan office to get to his corner suite was like walking into the living dead. I mean, wow. I can't describe it any other way. I mean, they weren't quite zombies and they weren't trying to eat me, but they all felt flat. They <laughs> felt dead. And the, the, the energy was just draining. I could feel it draining out of me just by being in that context. And what I hadn't realized was I'd opened myself, taking on the energy of other people around me, and it was kind of weighing me down. Mm -hmm. And anyway, I, I went into this coaching session and we had a phenomenal session. And I've always been a good coach, but this was unprecedented because two weeks after I had that session, his wife called me up and said, I just want to thank you for bringing my husband back after all these years. And I was a bit flabbergasted. 
And so I had to reflect on it and work out, well, what's different? And what was different was the energy. What was different was my level of presence. What was different was my openness and my ability to resonate with him in the invisible. Yeah. Right. Now, I use that word with a lot of leaders and those that don't know me will say, what do you mean? The invisible like we, like that's no, I have a scientific mind. Prove it to me and then I'll be able to say it exists. But the truth is, that's not the way we operate as as, uh, you know, as humans. And so it's really about us all understanding that the invisible is all around us anyway. And yeah. that's what I mean about the pandemic shattering the illusion. Yeah leadership is invisible within an organization because that's the tone of leadership that goes across the organization. Culture is invisible. Love is invisible. You know, resonance is invisible. Yeah, right. All these things that matter that we're already working with, the things that matter most, I'm beginning to believe, are the invisible aspects of life and business. Well, I love how you said that. That is so true. And that gives me alignment and clarity around what I truly and truly believe in, in a central part of the show. That's what I meant when I said that these are all there for our taking. Yes. And it takes the internal work for you to, to grab it, right? To get in touch with it. And I, know I wasn't planning on you telling that story, but I thought it's critical to you and your journey. <laughs> yeah. And then you cap it off. I mean, that's why it's important. I mean, that's, I remember that's hearing that story when you came on eight, seven years ago. That's what really got me thinking about the resonance because I believe 100% that it's the invisible yeah. stuff that's, that's important. You're right. Love is invisible. <laughs> Leadership is invisible. It's all <laughs> invisible. And it's yeah. our job as leaders to tap into that. And it does, yeah. take, it does take an understanding of, of resonance, of energy, of love, of spirituality. How you get there is up to you. It's your own personal journey how you get there. But I think it has to be a part of the leadership journey. It has to be. Mm -hmm. otherwise, otherwise, you're just doing it. You're just creating strategic 10-year plans that are eventually going to fail and, you know, yeah. and, and you're trying to be this charismatic character of what a leader is. You know, yeah. Yeah, I got to credit you. I remember we were talking about the four C's of leadership, the composed, confident, consistent, yeah. and courageous. I've now shifted that to the, the five C's. And Have that, you? And that I did a, I did a presentation for an um, organization they were, they were wanting me to talk about these presence principles. <laughs> of composure, confidence, and courageous. And I did that. And I said, and there's actually five. And the fifth one is compassion. So the fourth, so the, the five C's of leadership, the four, there's two groups. One group are the, the four, right? Which is the foundation. I said, but then the fifth one is the compassion because that gets into the heart. And to unlock that are the three, three transformational keys are authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. And there might yeah. even be more keys than that, but those are the ones that I'm, but that taps into what we're talking about here in this conversation, right? The compassion yeah. piece. And that's yeah. when things really start changing. You can lead a pretty significant life with those foundational four and make an impact with your world and this and that. But if you really want to transform the world, you got to have the compassion piece in there. Otherwise, so I can, oh, I yeah. credit you for that, by the <laughs> way, you. I'll give you credit for. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. I will take that. Thank you. <laughs> but you're so right because we're humans at the end of the day. We're emotional beings. And if we don't bring our heart into our work, I mean, why? I mean, there's no reason. If there's no reason to do it. For us to be there. None. If there's no heart in it. Mm -mm. So, of course, that is absolutely critical. I love that. Well, gosh, we're how long, almost an hour. I can't believe it. You're so fun to talk <laughs> through. So fun. <laughs> Thank you. You too. <laughs> 
So Sacred Changemakers is the thing you're part of now, bringing together people who want to make a meaningful difference in the world, which we've been talking about. And what's your other yeah. business called? you got two businesses, Sacred Changemakers. I do. So uh, leadership is actually the thing that is probably the most important thing to me. Mm -hmm. But I teach coaches because I believe coaches are helping to facilitate and guide leaders in organizations. So I work a lot with executive and business coaches um, in coachesbusinessschool.com. And then that was beginning to feel a little constrained for me, mm -hmm. which is why sacred change makers. And that's why it's not sacred leaders because that kind of gets confused with religion. Yeah. I believe that one of the key aspects of leadership, particularly today, I think it's always been there, but particularly today is how are we going to reimagine this new world that we all want to live in? And I believe that business is going to be a key driving force in that. And so therefore, Sacred Change Makers is about starting with you in your life, looking at the changes that you can make that can start to take us in the right direction. That's in your personal life. And then moving into your relationships with others, how you can empower and inspire and guide others uh, with your leadership. And then moving into organizational life, your professional career. How can you help take more people, maybe it's your team, maybe it's through your business, maybe it's through a global organization that you work for. How can you help wake us all up to really shape our future in conscious ways? And that's what we're all about. More resonance in the world. I love it. <laughs> I love all that you do. You're one of the good ones out there and you're really great at, at helping coaches. I remember early on, I sat in one of your masterminds with your coaches and yeah, you do a really good job of helping coaches, but I think just, just your view of leadership, it just, it really resonates with me in the way that you look at life and everything. It's just so awesome. And, um, how, what, and I'll even kind of steal from one of your questions you asked me when I was on your show is like, what, as we wrap up here, what, is there anything else that we didn't talk about in this hour that you really want to get across? No, I think I just want to underline the point that, um, you know, don't, if you're listening to this and you don't consider yourself to be a leader, that's okay. But there will be elements of leadership inside of your life. So I just encourage you to go and reflect, at, like, like you said, Richard, you know, who is it that looks to you for guidance? Who is it that you're influencing right now? And how can you get a bit more intentional about that role that you have in your world? Not in the world, because that might sound too big, but in your world, what can you do to make a difference? Because... I do believe we can all do something, however small. I love it. Coachesbusinessschool.com, sacredchangemakers.com. You got a book out there, The 10 Day Coaches MBA. How else can people reach out to you? I'll have all this in the show notes, but how else can people reach out to you? Yeah. Um, well, the Sacred Changemakers podcast is alive and kicking. You oh, yes. That if you like audio. Mm -hmm. um, but really, um, you know, come to the websites, find me on. And I'm on all the social media platforms and I have a name that you can easily find because nobody else is called Warrilow. <laughs> so <laughs> at Jane Warrilow is my handle for everything. So you'll find me there as well. So I'd love to see you out on the, awesome. on the social media. What a great yeah. conversation. Thanks for coming on the show, Jane. It was a pleasure. Oh, Richard, thank you so much. Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that those leadership brings to your world. 
Go to DoseOfLeadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one.